Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. Feel free to uh, find us on your favorite podcast platform. Hit subscribe today. This is the most excited I have been for any of the podcasts that we have done because after all the angst, all the negative labor negotiations, all of the COVID wonderings, all of everything hanging by a thread, I only have three words. Baseball is here. I was going to go with play ball, baby, but that baseball hey, that works just, for me too. Okay. Uh, uh, it's here, right? We're finally at the regular season games count. I've watched a bunch of interest squad games now and some games that don't count where they're at least playing different teams and it's baseball and it's, it's worth it. It's been a long haul since we decided to start doing this podcast where we thought we were going to be talking about games that counted and we're here. For a while, we wondered if there would even be real games for us to yep. talk about. Almost a bad time to start a new podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh, but we have made it through the uh, wandering of the desert. Uh, we have made it to the promised land. Baseball is here. Uh, when this podcast uh, airs, uh, it will be game day. Uh, first one of the year is, is the games kick off Thursday. And for everyone else on, on Friday, I plan to do a games? lot. There's two games on Thursday, There's right? There's two games on Thursday. Everything else happens on Friday. Uh, and I plan to do a lot of uh, scoreboard uh, uh, watching, yeah. game watching, and uh, I might have to find myself, might have to print off uh, an old-fashioned uh, scorecard score and actually uh, w- walk my way through it, make I, sure I can still do it again. I love doing them at the game. I never, I had friends that would like get those huge books and do them at home, and that was never my thing. But when you're actually at the game, I still do a scorecard. So if Same. I ever get allowed back into the game, we'll see. You know, we're not at that point yet. Just we'll keep playing the game. I'll make do without making my scorecard. Just play the games. I don't need to be in the stadium. Speaking of just playing the games, uh, we're going to look at uh, our top storylines and under overs to begin here. We have individual predictions as well as team and season predictions. Uh, this is our prediction show. So uh, get locked in. Uh, as always, we are brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your uh, snacking needs for baseball games. Uh, now that this we are into week. that, this is the week. Uh, stock up, get ready. Uh, as uh, we're in for another hot weekend, uh, yes, but there's we a are. lot of uh, indoor uh, armchair, uh, uh, normally armchair quarterback. I don't know what the baseball equivalent is for that. Armchair pitching coach. Now we'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to be one here uh, come this weekend, but make sure to grab your uh, uh, favorite popcorn and. Uh, uh, again, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, the interesting thing for our storylines and under overs is uh, I asked Corey to come up with uh, his top five for each uh, or five storylines, five under overs. I was going to do the same, and then we were not going to share those with each other until uh, on air. Uh, so now we will uh, get our knee-jerk reactions, our instant yep. uh, hot takes uh, from everything, and, and respond back and forth. The key thing's going to be if we pick the same and <laughs> coming up with a new one on the fly. We may or may not tell you about that as we go through. But, Corey, why don't you start us off? What's uh, We'll look at storylines. What's one of the storylines that you're seeing here or wanting to see with baseball now here? Let's talk about all the new managers on contending teams, not just not just the teams that are getting new managers. There's some very good teams that are cranking out new managers. I'm not saying we have to do all of these, but I want your thoughts on at least two of these guys. 
So we got Luis Rojas with the Mets. We have Jace Tingler with the Padres. Dusty Baker's taking over the Astros. Joe Madden's moving to the Angels, which moves David Ross into the Cubs. Ron Renneke with the Red Sox. Joe Girardi with the Phillies. Any one of those teams, all of those teams, have potential to be not only wild cards, but win their division. There's a couple other new managers that I didn't mention because I don't think they have a chance to win. But is there any managerial change out of those teams that you think is either really good or really bad? Yeah, there's. Uh, I don't think I looked at it that way of seeing just how many playoff contending teams made uh, changes at the top. Those are the ones uh, that I've considered playoff contenders. I, I would agree with you. Uh, and uh, for me, I'm going to pick... Man, there's a lot you could pick on that. Uh, I'm going to combo one up because it goes together uh, and where I think one or each will be good in its own right. Number one, we, we talked about Joe Madden last week in the podcast. Uh, he is excellent for getting a team organized, uh, a good vision, uh, start, starting from the bottom floor and building it up. That is his specialty, and he will engrave himself to me as a Hall of Fame manager if he does it with the Angels because he did it with the Rays. He did it with the Cubs. Both of those were not expected. Uh, both of those were you can take as much credit as you want. When you break a 100-year curse, uh, you can take as much credit as you want for that. Uh, so... If he can do it with the Angels for a team that has an owner that's willing to spend, they just don't always know where to spend it or spend it. Well, uh, that one, I think he is going to be the guy that they need there. He brings it all back to where it began. This is where he was the bench coach under Mike Sosha for so long. Uh, Coming back home, uh, there's a lot of good uh, feel-goods on this one, and I think it's going to end with a good... uh, Good record overall. We'll talk about that uh, later <laughs> in, the, in the podcast. Uh, but the other one that goes with it is, is David Ross. Uh, for everything that Madden is good for, he has a short shelf life. He's good for building it initially, but his eccentricities uh, eventually good wear word. out. Good uh, word. I'm just glad I could say that in the first that's take. A, that's a good word. Uh, <laughs> but. And fits him to a T. Yep, uh, he is baseball's most eccentric manager, and it works until, until it doesn't. It doesn't. Until yeah. it doesn't. We both uh, had the same thought there. And and so a new perspective, a new voice was needed. And it's just the way that it works. For all of the things that are good for him, he, those are his faults. It's a short shelf life. David Ross is a perfect fit. Uh, I think he is going to be a, a, a voice of stability for them try to get them back to playing to their talent level. They have one of the best pos- groups of position players uh, in the entire sport. It's confusing as to why they've taken a... They haven't played up to their talent level. Yes, you Darvish and their pitching woes uh, for being consistent has been a problem. Uh, but I like that managerial change. The last one I'll mention... Uh, is because uh, you have to. It's Dusty Baker. That's the one uh, I was. If, if you didn't say anything, he was going to answer <laughs> my own question just a minute there. So I want to hear your talk, take on Dusty Baker quick. Dusty Baker uh, is the classic veterans manager, uh, and he is going to make you churn out innings. He's going to put you out there. Uh, he will uh, completely bury young pitchers. Uh, you have Justin Verlander at the top. Uh, you can pitch him till his arm falls off. Uh, he's used to doing that. It's the right team for him. He's a bad fit for a lot of places. Here, he actually makes sense. Uh, He's got to come in and replace 
the whole situation and make it try to make people forget. And, and I agree. I think Dusty Manager was an excellent hire by Houston. Like you said, there's he didn't fit well in Chicago, and it was a problem. So he's he's out there in Houston, and they have a lot of talent, and I think it'll be a good fit there too. That's the one I wanted to make sure we at least touched on. Those would be the biggest ones that stand out to me. All of them are interesting stories, mm-hmm. uh, but those are the ones that stand out the most to me. Okay, let's hear your first one. Uh, I mentioned this one in our uh, previous podcast this week, so let's start there. It is such an obscure year uh, with everything that we're dealing with. It's unprecedented in every uh, every shape and fashion here. Uh, what I want to know is because of a 60-game season, if even if a pitcher stays healthy, you're looking at most a starting pitcher of 12 starts. You are seeing relief pitchers having to potentially pitch more innings, more games, uh, Will we see more relief pitchers than starters with wins? Will we see relief pitchers actually have more W's than starting pitchers? How do you look at that? Well, when we first heard about this condensed season and the summer camp and everything, I thought we'd be talking right now about starting pitchers starting the year, lucky to go five innings. And that's what you need to even get a win is to get five innings. Now, some of your ace quality pitchers, your Justin Verlanders, they're going to get their innings. Justin Verlander is going to pitch five innings. I don't think that's a problem. But there are a lot of pitchers who I don't think have built up the arm strength, and that has been admitted by managers. the first week or two, easy. Yeah, and that's been admitted by managers. That's been admitted by players. They don't have the arm strength to get through five innings. And if you don't get five innings, you're not getting a win. Simple as that. So it is entirely possible that there will be relief pitchers that have eight to ten wins this year, not uncommon. And in a regular season, that's pretty uncommon even with 162 games. So in a 60-game season, yeah, uh, I would say it's a very good possibility. I'm not saying that one of the relief pitchers will lead the league in wins, but if you had multiple relief pitchers with in the top 10 area, that I could absolutely see that happening. Let's do my number two then. I just have the extra inning rule of a runner on second. How does it affect the managerial decision-making? So we've heard now a little bit more has come out. You can pinch run for that runner with a player on your bench, but then he's in the game. So we, we, we talked about it with it. You, you you keep somebody who's really fast. I know I believe it was the Cubs or someone I just saw sign Travis Jankowski with the rumor being for that same very reason. On a 26-man roster, because that's the other part here, is we have the additional roster space at the end. Now we're starting with 30. Uh, remember, let's go back to the, the roster rules here. The first two weeks of the year, we're at a number of 30. The second two weeks of the year, we're at 28. And then we're at 26 for the rest of the way. So with those additional roster spaces, when every win counts, I think you are going to see some smart teams looking at whoever their best speedster is uh, to add that to your roster to at least give you one guy that you can try to bring in and, and see if it happens. Uh, you have enough roster depth that you can either, if, if he's only in for speed, uh, you can replace him for someone else in the, the next inning. Uh, that's a lot of, ro- of roster moves by all means. Uh, but uh, if you have someone who's a speedster who can at least do one or two things well, where a little bit of positional flexibility, uh, that type of player is going to be worth uh, a lot in this current uh, situation. So I think it's going to – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I think yeah. it's going to bring back the bunt. Uh, you put a guy on second with no outs – I don't care who's at the plate, unless it is a person that I really trust. I'm going to tell that guy if I have a chance that, can you bunt this player to third for me? Because then all I need is a sack fly. And uh, I think you're going to see more bunting than we've seen in a, in a while. 
this will increase the managerial chess game mm-hmm. uh, with when you get into those situations. And uh, it'll be kind of interesting because while I'm uh, old school, I prefer the marathon. Uh, you stay in it until you uh, get to the very uh, however many innings it takes and you get the, the W out of it. In this type of sprint theme, it fits it. And so I'm curious to see which managers do the uh, do the best with it. You'll find those that do more uh, switches, more roster flexibility, more movement. We talked about Joe Madden already. He fits this very well with that type of an idea. A team like the Rays that that move their guys around interchangeably. You're going to see those types of teams uh, really step up uh, during this time. But it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch. Uh, one of the uh, $324 million questions uh, is from the very first interview from the last out recorded in the World Series last year. Garrett Cole was show me the money. He said it in his interview then. He was already looking at that nice big payday that was coming, and man, did he get it. He wanted the pressure. He wanted this contract. Can he hold up in the New York spotlight? That's not a spotlight for everyone. How will he handle, especially in a a shortened season when every start matters? He got shelled once or twice. It means a lot. The New York uh, publicity media is going to be on him big time. The fans will be on him big time. Can he handle it? Yeah, I think he can. He's uh, he's got the stuff to be. I I know that he's been struggling in the intra squad games. I've seen some of the intra squad highlights. He's given the up some Twitter, home runs. The, the Twitter angst is already there yeah, for Yankee fans. It's there, and it. I don't. I think he'll be just fine. We've seen play pitchers go there and struggle. It's happened in the past. He has a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball that he can throw at any time for a strike. He has one of the most incredible twelve-six curveballs you're ever likely to see. It's always been a problem, and his tunneling of pitches is absurdly good. It looks the same for about 57 feet, and then it just falls off a table. But I think he's going to be fine. I actually think one of my storylines that's coming up is going to help him. The fact that there is no fans, if he does have a struggle, uh, I think that might help him, that there is no fans in the seats at Yankee Stadium. Now, I'm not saying he's going to win the Cy Young Award like he did. I'm not saying he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball. I think he'll be a top-five pitcher in baseball. But... It depends on what you classify as a good year. If Garrett Cole goes out and pitches to a 3-5 ERA, is it a good year for him? I think so. That's very much within the realm of possibility. I don't know if the Yankees would consider what they're paying him that to be a good year, though. So I see him slipping in this shortened season, but slipping for him, like yeah. you said, is a 3-5 ERA. Uh, I, I think it's he was so otherworldly last yep. year. Everything came together so well. It's hard to replicate that. You often see just a small drop, even in very good players. Uh, I think with the uh, the change of location, the challenge of the location, the challenge of the shortened year, I think you're not going to see. I think you're going to see that Garrett Cole is vincible. Yeah. Uh, so if his ERA goes up a point, it's three and a half, and that's probably not what the Yankees paid for. You'd like to see him keep it under three but it is within the realm of possibilities. That is only a couple runs in a 60-inning season. Like, a couple runs and your ERA is going to go up to that level. I think he'll be just fine. I think that they paid a lot of money for him. I think it will be a good long-term investment he, for them. He is uh, an excellent ace for them long-term. I see some short-term bumps, some short-term hiccups, but long-term, I have no 
I am not doubting his ability to be the Yankee ace long-term. So let's jump. I'm going to jump one of mine. I'm going to come back to it later because this question ties into your question. Is there really a home field advantage without fans and generally no long road trips anymore? We've heard teams from the East Coast have to travel to the West Coast to play the West Coast road trip and 15 games out there. That ain't going to happen. You're staying within your time zone generally. And there are no fans, whether you're at home and you're Garrett Cole and you don't have to hear the boos if you give up a home run. Or if you're on the road, you don't have to deal with the, you have the piped in fan noise. If that's going to truly increase home field advantage or is there a home field advantage? That's a fantastic storyline as, as we start this year with that major difference. And I'm glad that they are doing, that they are pumping in the, 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 the crowd noise for this reason. People like, really, it sounds very corny. The exception is this. If you didn't have some sort of noise within it, you could hear people from one dugout to the next. Mm-hmm. You need some noise, some audible sound taking place for things to feel at least as normal as possible. You have to understand that baseball players are the most creatures of habit of any professional sports, of any professional athletes that there are. Uh, they are used to routine, and there is no routine this year. So it's going to be a, a week or two. I think one of the biggest challenges that anyone is facing this year is starting off on a slump because you don't have a lot of time to get out of it. And I think because everything is so off, you are prone to an early season slump. Uh, that's going to be hard uh, on the player, on the team, for trying to get out of that funk early on. We mentioned before off-air that uh, Christian Yelich is one for 36 in uh, summer camp, right? Oh, breaking uh, my heart. Please what get if hot. That, what if that happens in the first week of the year for someone? Uh, somebody's like, going to get th- sunk early on. You, Christian Yelich comes challenge. out that cold, and your team is out of it before you even have a chance. And I think there is a much stronger likelihood of major slumps to begin the year than in any other year, just because of the routine factor and where things uh, where things are. Well, pitchers so that's always, a major concern. Sorry, pitchers always start out, generally start off with an advantage over hitters because it takes longer for hitters to get going. And Timing, yep. Short season like this, yeah, I still expect that to be the case. Pitchers will start off quicker than hitters, and that could make for some interesting statistics. So to answer your question, because I kind of mm-hmm. did and didn't, uh, is there home field advantage? Who has home field advantage? I would say the teams that play in the most uh, offensive-friendly ballparks are going to be the ones that you'll see more of a home field advantage. Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, uh, seeing some places like that where offense is more uh, normal uh, for that. And they, when them pl- when they're playing half of their games there, when you're talking about offensive timing and offensive challenges, that helps. And I think that type of uh, uh, those types of ballparks have the potential to be very uh, home friendly. Uh, and again, we're talking with everything being such a, a sliver of difference in a shortened season. That little difference could be a big one uh, in this year. Well, in a regular season, you always shoot for winning, you know, two-thirds of your games at home and 50-50 on the road, half your games That's on the road. That's the formula. That's the formula to playoffs. I, I don't know if it's going to work that way this year. It might, have, might be all changed up, so we'll see. That's a, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. One change that has happened, and it's a storyline that I know you'll be happy to talk about, Mike Trout has help. Uh, it, that is a, uh, a welcomed storyline over in the West Coast. Uh, you have the... Uh, 
biggest free agent acquisition in the offseason for position players. Uh, Andrew, uh, Anthony Rendon, excuse me, uh, now playing third base for the Los Angeles Angels, and that is a huge uh, boost to that offense. A healthy Shohei Otani is the other one. Uh, those are two very quality, uh, very capable uh, offensive bats that are going to be sandwiched around Mike Trout. Uh, what does that mean for the Angels that Mike Trout has help? Not going to spoil my other answers for later on in the podcast too much. I was here, coaxing but, you, wasn't I? But the Angels are are going to be a, a team that I expect a lot out of this year. And Mike Trout has led the league, and we just looked at it before the podcast started for a different podcast that we were going to do. And Mike Trout's led the league in intentional walks, I believe, three of the last four years. So they're pitching around him, which is what you'd expect of a player of his caliber. But if you have Anthony Rendon behind him, you can't do that. Anthony Rendon, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Truly one of the elite players in the game today probably has done it without enough fanfare because he played on a team that had those pitchers and Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, who are all incredibly good players and, you know, let him do a World Series. But Anthony Rendon, uh, going to protect Mike Trout, going to drive him in a lot. And Shohei Otani is a generational talent. The I'm not saying he's a generational player yet, but the ability to what he can do both pitching and hitting is once in a lifetime. And if he were to focus on either one, I think he could be exceptional at that. He's already really, really good at both. So that lineup is actually really deep. I even like Tommy LaStella at the top. We'll be interested to see what Madden does with that lineup because we talked about he has his unique lineups where he likes He's to He's unorthodox. Yeah, he likes to make some unique lineups, and uh, I think it'll be uh, – I'm, I'm not spoiling everything I got here, but I think the Angels are going to be coming up a lot more later on here. Oh, let's do Mookie Betts here. We talk Mookie Betts. He has been traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Alex Verdugo and a little bit more. He's got one year left on that contract. He keeps liking everything Boston Red Sox put on Instagram, and it is actually a news story because we are in a year where nothing else is happening. So everything Boston puts on Instagram, Mookie Betts is liking. The rumor has been out there since the second he got traded. Is it a one and done, and is he back to Boston? What's the prediction for I'm already making you make a prediction for after this year. Does Mookie Betts like it in L.A. and stay, or is he going somewhere else? Right now, he hasn't had a chance to get acclimated to a new team. I'm sure it still doesn't even feel like a new team yet. Uh, so it's easy to look back with uh, with wandering eyes uh, to where he was very comfortable and happy. Uh, L.A. Uh, is, especially if you have that type of money, a fun city to be in. Uh, laid-back atmosphere. It's a perennially contending club that is in far better straits, far better future than Boston. Uh, even if Mookie goes back, there's a ton of challenges in Boston uh, for immediate uh, contention. Not in L.A. Uh, they have young... Clayton Kershaw goes somewhere else, or if all of a sudden, let's say he's done after this year. They got the money to replace him. They already have young talent on that team. Boston can't do that. Boston has been a hot mess in terms of a being organizationally run for the past couple of years. You have an owner that wasn't seeing eye-to-eye with their previous GM at the end, and you were already noticing not only just from a contentious atmosphere but a dysfunctional atmosphere where the direction of the team is, is blurred. There's no clear vision right now. That's not the case in L.A., uh, they can afford to pay and keep uh, Mookie Betts. 
I think whatever is going on right now is still a thankfulness for where he has spent the first part of his career. Give him a, a contending season uh, with the Dodgers. Give him a World Series appearance, and you could have a complete change uh, from where uh, where things are. So I, I think he stays in L.A. Yeah, Los Angeles, We talk, Boston has is almost in the start of a rebuild, which is a word that you don't hear in Boston very often. Los Angeles does not rebuild. They just retool with what they got, and they're willing to spend the money, and I actually agree with you on this one. I think that Mookie Betts is going to really like his time in L.A., which, once again, spoiler alert, it's coming up. I'm talking about him later, too. Are we on your number four or five? Something. I think think you owe me one now. I do owe you one at number four. Uh, Is I'm trying to think of the way that I wanted to word this. Uh, The new best DH, Kyle Schwarber. He's in contention. I would put. I would take Will Myers, uh, the Padres version. Will Myers. Kyle Schwarber has struggled to find a defensive fit. Right. He came up as a catcher for the Cubs and moved off that position partly because he struggled and partly because Wilson Contreras is actually a pretty good catcher, although he's actually moved out of left uh, to the outfield too. But Kyle Schwarber was not a great fit in the outfield. The bat's never been a question. He can hit well. He can hit for power. But if you're talking about best DH fits, I actually think there's a few that are pretty good considering that two months ago with the NL didn't have any plan for the DH. There's let, some good fits. Let me word this a little bit differently. Cause I think this will help the question. Okay. Is he the biggest beneficiary of the DH coming to the national league? He's, he's going to get at bats now where I'm not even sure he had full time at bats before. So in that sense, then yes. And yeah, that, that's for sure. Because I think he was probably among the best players that wasn't going to have guaranteed at bats before. Uh, we mentioned, I think, Austin Riley once for the Braves, and I think Austin Riley and the Braves are a whole – I don't know where the Braves stand because of the fact they've had so many weird coronavirus injuries and things like that. But I know Austin Riley needs at-bats, and I hope that he gets to play some DH. But I think Kyle Schwarber is the one who's going to get the most at-bats, whereas I don't think he would have had them before. He was – they were they like Victor Caratini a lot. We hear a lot about Victor Caratini. He's been kind of a big name the last couple of weeks here. I think he's going to play some DH for them. When you, well, he's a right-handed uh, hitter, yes, too, he where he compliments uh, Schwerber. Schwerber does not hit lefties. Nope. Uh, but I think he can be with consistent at-bats without having to worry about defense. I think he can be a top-10 bat versus right-handed pitching in Major League Baseball. Sure. Yeah. There's, yeah. I would say 60 games. You figure he's only going to play 48, 48 games, we'll say, 48 games there's not out of the possibility that he can hit 10 home runs in 48 games with his bat and hit 270 doing it. So Kyle Schwarber, yeah, a a good, definitely a player that's going to take advantage of the national league DH. I'm sure, I think you've always, everybody's kind of looked at Kyle Schwarber and always thought DH was someday where he was guaranteed to play. So yeah, just taking advantage of the fact it came a little earlier for him. My final storyline is I waited as long as I could, but eventually we got to talk about some of this coronavirus stuff. Let's talk about just the three symptomatic players that we know of who've really gotten hit hard. Freddie Freeman, Scott Kingery, and Araldis Chapman have all shown symptoms. Now, Freddie Freeman's back, Scott Kingery's back. I believe Araldis Chapman's still away from the Yankees. It has to affect it, them somehow, even their breathing. These are top-end athletes who are going to be asked to play every day, essentially, because there's not many off days. Can, can Freddie Freeman play 50 games for the Braves. Can Scott Kingery play 50 games? Because those are these are players that are going to be expected to do a lot. So, 
to me, this is where uh, I see infielders having a better opportunity, or at least corner infielders, of being able to handle this more. You're not having to use your lungs in the same way that an outfielder or even a middle infielder is going to have to. And that's what we don't know yet. We honestly don't know. For even incredible athletes, those who have had this and, and had symptoms and coming back, uh, how how will their lungs respond uh, to this elite level of uh, performance? performance? Yeah. And that's the, the, the key question. Uh, I'm less concerned about Freddie Freeman, though he's the one who probably had the biggest symptoms. Uh, not that it doesn't take a lot out of you for doing these types of swings and, and everything involved with it, but I I think he's the one who has the best opportunity. Plus, they can DH him uh, when they need to get him off his feet uh, and still keep his bat in the game. Uh, so there's some different uh, possibilities there. But if there's any outfielders that get this, I have major questions on their ability, especially if they're needed for their defensive ability, uh, if, if they're showing symptoms, uh, that's going to be a key storyline to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's no, there's no way anybody can answer. I mean, I obviously asked Dan to make an answer right now, but there's no way you can answer that accurately. None of us are doctors. Nobody knows the effects of this disease yet. So we would just hope that they're all fully recovered and able to be up to what they've always been. Cause those are you know some of the best players in the game or all Chapman, legitimately one of the best closers there's been over the last decade. So and, and for pitchers, I suppose that should be mentioned from uh, from that standpoint, the amount of exertion that goes into each pitch, uh, that's also going to be a a major challenge. You think of uh, a guy who gets his fastball up to uh, uh, 102, 103, 104 miles per hour, uh, the amount of exertion that takes, you have to be at peak performance to accomplish that. Uh, that is going to be a key question. The other big one to, to talk within that is uh, – any two-week quarantine, you're talking about 20% of the season. Uh, and then it's a matter of, of timing and if you can come back right away. Uh, so if anyone shows symptoms in the middle of the season, not just the two weeks, you're talking about losing, uh, easily could lose a month. Uh, and, and, oh, yeah. and that's uh, all all within it. And then this still doesn't, We, I, I don't want to even say it because we're just happy to have baseball back, but you get any sort of outbreak that happens and you're going to have massive questions on how you're going to deal with this. So I don't even want to go down that road. I'm praying we never have to even talk about it. I waited for this one to the end for the reason. We had to talk, just mention it, but you're right. I I hope that the season keeps going. There's, of course, we're in a worldwide pandemic and people can deny it all they want or whatever, but the numbers are unfortunately rising. We hate to see it. We hope we figure out a way to get it under control, but... And you're hoping you get this done before if there is any sort of second wave yeah. where we've already said this is a, uh, a uh, illness that is has already mutations to it. Uh, so when you already have that type of thing taking place and the uncertainty of what's coming and, and when, if it does, again, we don't know, we honestly don't know, and we're going to take it one day at a time as we do that. Uh, and hoping that all good safety procedures are in place so we can enjoy a baseball season. But it's obviously the elephant in the room, and it will be throughout the entire season. Let's switch from that doom and gloom to uh, one of the uh, my final storyline, the enjoyable uh, time of year. If this was a regular year, we would be 10 days away from the MLB trading deadline. Uh, we would have rumors galore about the... Uh, uh, potential difference makers, are there any? How will that impact uh, the season? Are there any contenders that can shore up weaknesses and uh, make that final push? This isn't a normal year. 
the MLB uh, trading deadline is not in 10 days, uh, or at least uh, I shouldn't say even say in 10 days. It would be a week by the time this airs with everything. Uh, so we're now looking at the a month later when there will be a trade deadline. And so we will have some things taking place. There is one name that is emerging already as a clear potential difference maker based upon summer camp going well with some differences that have been done. He has changed his uh, throwing motion. Robbie Ray for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The talent has always been there. The wildness has always been there. The walks are always what keeps him held back. There have been numerous reports saying that his new throwing motion is making major differences to lower that walk rate. And if he can lower that walk rate, his stuff is phenomenal. He's uh, a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, He is the guy that's being uh, picked as the not only most likely to be traded if Arizona isn't in it or doesn't view themselves as in it, but the one that could be the potential difference maker of the trading deadline season in the year that we are in. Do you agree with that assessment? Would he be the name that you would have to say right now uh, would be the biggest name that to make the biggest impact? Before we even have one pitch, <laughs> can you tell me who your best uh, MLB trading deadline candidate is? So I don't know if you've seen the videos of his of his new throwing motion. It's so he basically he's a left-hander, so he had the ball in his basically a straight left hand, and now he's bent his elbow considerably more. And yes, I've seen the the talk about Robbie Ray. I think that Arizona's not going to be out of it at the end of August. That's part of the problem here. I think that Arizona's pitching staff is actually Madison Bumgarner. If Robbie Ray really is that good, Zach Gallen, I think they can be in contention. Now they play in the same division as the Dodgers, which makes them probably competing for a wild card. But I think Robbie Ray will be in it. It'd be interesting to see him get traded to a contending team. Um, trying to think of which team would really could I've been thinking since you started talking I could see like if the Cardinals we've been talking we were talking about some of the teams that were in need of pitching some of those central teams the Cardinals and the Cubs specifically would those would seem to be logical fits for him and it's kind of like you previewed my first over under here because I kid you not my first over under deals with the trading deadline so uh, I agree there's a chance that Robbie Ray could be traded it without knowing where the Diamondbacks sit at that time I'm going to say he's likely not traded because I don't think they're going to be out of it but there will be some teams out of it. The Pirates, we expect to be out of it. And I think one of their biggest names was going to be Keone Kella. He's got coronavirus. We've never really talked about him because I just didn't talk about him. But he was, a lot of people thought he would be traded because Pittsburgh was supposed to be out of it. So as we move into these over-unders, my first one is just major trades at the trade deadline at the end of August. And I had two and a half over or under. Define major for me. Will I try to hedge my bets? So let's say contending team picks him up if it's a pitcher makes three four quality start or four starts or more and if it's a hitter hits above or can give you let's see here that'd be end of august you'd have 27 more games roughly can give you 80 at bats of quality that's some you know lousy stuff there's going to be some moves because uh i think this heightened pace is going to lead to some itchy trigger fingers. Uh, but the hard part is you have to concede, and, and, and this is the hardest part. You're only going to be one month into the year. Your, your fans are just excited about seeing live baseball. Who's going to be the, the bold GM to take the wind out of the sails? 
that early because trading any decent player means we're not in it. That's what you're saying. And outside of the teams that you're expecting to lose who don't have a lot of big-name talent on their teams to begin with, uh, with everyone going to be pretty close together, who is going to be the GM that is going to be bold enough to do that? I don't know if there are that many. So I'm going to go under on that two and a half. I, I think there's going to be uh, GMs with, with definite itchy trigger fingers, but I don't think they're going to have a lot of people to trade with. So I'm going under. I can buy that. I can. I think I probably would have went under two. So let's see. What's your first over under you got over there for me? Uh, with it only being a 60-game season, a good hot streak can lead to some amazing numbers during this stretch. Batting title, over or under a 350 average? So we got 60 games here. I'm trying to think of who's a premier hitter. Yeah, okay, I got some in my head. Could you? Yeah, I, I think 350, you said? Mm-hmm. I will say... It's been a while since we've been under, over. but not by much. I would if it, if you would have said three forty, I'd have taken the over. I think someone can hit like Cody Bellinger. I could get hot over sixty games and hit give give you a three sixty. Sure, I'd say it's more likely you're at about three forty five, three forty two ish. So that's a pretty good number that you picked. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone went to three fifty or above. Um, it's not a number that you, we're used to talking about, but absolutely, there, I'm sure if you looked over courses of the season last year, over 60 games, there were plenty of players that probably did that. I don't know about plenty, but some of the premier players probably hit it like that. Oh, my number two over under. So Jacob deGrom is a two-time defending Cy Young Award winner. He has won 10 games and 11 games during that time. So he's won two Cy Youngs while going 21 and 17, which doesn't sound very good. So we're in a shortened season. We were talking about this maximum you're making 12 starts. Jacob deGrom over under five and a half wins. I'll give him the over. Good. Uh, but some were already talking about how he could win his third consecutive Cy Young in a third year of having less than 10 wins in a season. Easily. Uh, this is... Uh, I. The, the elite arm is no question. Uh, and, and I think that bullpen is going to be more locked down in the last uh, couple of innings. I think I, I'm high on Edwin Diaz. Uh, he was so good for the Mariners. It was a train wreck year last year. A lot of things went wrong. I think he's still going to be very good. I think he's going to be one of your best bounce back candidates uh, of the year. And we'll talk about that category later as well. Uh, but I think if you have a bullpen that can... Uh, slam the door at the end, he's going to put you in, in many games where he is going to e- either have you ahead or right at it. I, I see no reason why he can't over over that number. Yeah, I actually want to go over too. I think the Mets are, at least I hope the Mets finally get it together a little bit more for him, get him some run support. He could have won 18 plus the last couple of years and without blinking an eye and no one would have been accept of that by at all. I mean, when you have a 170 ERA and a 240 ERA and you're winning 10 games and 11 games, that's that's sad. So I I think five and a half is a little low. I think I'm hoping he goes seven and five or seven and whatever, <laughs> seven wins. We're talking about uh, wins by a pitcher. Let's talk about uh, wins overall. Uh, over under a team getting 35 wins. My number's 38 and a half. I had that one coming up. So, okay. So I'll take the over on that one because I think there's going to be teams – 35, so let's go with Washington. They have the 
ace trio of all ace trios. So you figure you get 36 starts out of them. In those 36 starts, I think they can bank 23 wins, roughly. You figure you're getting at least 23 wins out of Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, that combination. And then you got 24 starts left. You go 12 and 12. Even during that time, you're at 35 already. I think that a team can go over 35. I think you're going to be more of 38, 39. Some teams are going to get to that range. I'm not sure which team it is, but I had two. Team with the most amount of wins, 38 and a half. So if you're setting at 35, I'll take the over. Where are you going? I'm doing the over as well. I think there's going to at least be one or two teams uh, that uh, if can pad some wins uh, against some uh, teams that aren't so good. Uh, and uh, I could easily see that happening. I think my, my first pick for that is going to be the Twins. Uh, that is not a challenging division. Uh, there's uh, The Indians are going to be solid. The White Sox are, are, are doing a little bit better. But then you have the Royals and the, the Tigers. Uh, and, and remember, you're playing the majority of your games even more so in your own division. The uh, teams that they'd be playing with that is going to be the NL Central, Pittsburgh. Uh, you have other teams that are going to be solid, uh, but there's a lot of question marks in the Central. We talked about when trying to uh, when trying to confirm or lock up our wild card picks. Every time I try to put a team down from the Central, there I've thought of three more reasons why I shouldn't. Uh, I think the Twins uh, are going to have baseball's best record this year because of those things. You come to the dark side with me. I like it. That's what I like to hear. So I'll, I will go with this one. The We didn't talk about this storyline. If we were taught, did that storyline episode six months ago, this would have been the big one. Let's talk to Houston Astros here. Hit by pitches. Because there could be a lot of them. And I hope that doesn't happen. But let's talk hit by pitches. 50 and a half. So that's just under one a game. Just under uh, one a game. And uh, uh, that would leave room for one a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say under, and that's only because of now. If that would have been the beginning of the year in a normal year, I think the first 60 games of the year, they would have averaged one a game. Without question, I think there would have been a considerable amount of brawls uh, at the beginning of the season because this is an arrogant team that refuses to apologize for anything they've done. They're tired of talking about it. They don't want to talk about it except with a with the rare exception of a couple of key players no one is wanting to admit it and so when baseball is now trying to say this is us saying you're guilty which is what it would have been that was the theme in all of this this is not a team that would have taken that lying down this would have been the biggest storyline of the first third or first half of the year and that's gone because of COVID, in my opinion. I'll be curious to see, because again, baseball, uh, they handle this stuff on their own, like it or not, and they have a long memory. Uh, but I think everyone is just happy that they're able to play real games. Uh, and so I, I think that's getting washed over in light of current circumstance. It wouldn't surprise me otherwise, but that's the biggest storyline to me that has changed mm-hmm. because of COVID. Yeah, that would have been what we were talking about. If we were talking about this in January, there's no doubt in my mind that that was the storyline. I hope they don't get hit that many times. 
I'm worried that there'll be some teams that hit them multiple times. The Yankees have sort of said, and I, actually they're not playing the Yankees, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. So I, we'll see. That one's hard to guess, but I, I can go either way on that one. I'm giving a little bit of stats before I go into my uh, next over-under. Okay. It, uh, in 2010 was the last time a player hit over 350. It was Josh Hamilton at 359. Uh Otherwise, uh, 346, 348, there's been players who have hovered uh, at that point in a full season. Uh, so I, I don't know if I even answered my, my own for that, but I'm <laughs> going to say two. I'm going to say over, that you will have two players really? that will hit over 350 uh, because of the shortened nature of it. Let's talk about another uh, big number at the end of the, at the, end of the year. Uh, home runs, uh, your sluggers. Uh, Someone at, uh, I'm just going to first give this number, then I'll get to the number I'm actually going to talk about. If someone hits 25 home runs this year, that is a 70 home run pace for a full season. So that just gives you the idea of where we are uh, in the, the less games. Over or under for home runs at 20? So 25 is 70. So 20 would be about 60. I will say over because I think some of those AL East sluggers that play in those small parks over and over again, Baltimore, New York, Boston, Tampa Bay is not necessarily like that, but even Toronto. And we don't even know about the minor league stadium that they're going to play in. That could be really small. So I will say that Aaron Judge is currently injured. I believe he's trying to come back. Giancarlo Stanton is in that division, uh, J.D. Martinez. I don't know about Austin Meadows being healthy, but there are some pretty good power hitters in that division. I think one of them could get to 22-ish. That's probably about – that would be the, about the top end, and that would be an incredible year and could be an MVP. But I, I'll say J.D. Martinez is my pick to get over that number. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, we go back to uh, Mr. Otherworldly Mike Trout uh, – being someone who just puts up those numbers because that's just what he does. Uh, now, normally the huge home runs, uh, home run hitting uh, isn't his, but that has been trending up as he has uh, gotten into his power prime. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like that uh, went off there either. You st- I'll say one does it. Okay. You stole my most amount of wins, so I'll switch it up on you. Least amount of wins here. So we had some pretty poor teams. Baltimore... Pittsburgh, uh, Kansas City. There are some pretty rough teams around there. We're playing 60 games. Least amount of wins. Over, under, 16 and a half. Baltimore is the only team that scares. uh, Because Pittsburgh, there's still at least enough stuff there where they're going to be bad, but not that bad. Florida, uh, Marlins, uh, Miami Marlins, uh, they have been at least getting some of those uh, one-year contract to, to some vets who still have uh, some decent game up about them. Uh, you try to think through the, the divisions on the teams that are at the very bottom, and I don't see someone that bottoms out that much outside of Baltimore. That's the team that is, is hard uh, to gauge. Though, have you seen the Boston Red Sox rotation? Woof. Yeah, it's uh, not good. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm going to say over, okay. uh, but if you would have said 20, I might have said under. Uh, it's it's yeah. going to be very close. Yeah. It's going to be very There's going to be a team that loses more, loses, or doesn't win 20 games. So 16 and a half, I think 
So he'd be 18 and 42, right? Is that right? Am I doing that right? 18 and... Correct. Yeah, that's that's about what Baltimore could be. I, I think Baltimore is the team that has the most chance to not get there either. And uh, I hope for their, for their sake they do. It could be a real rough year to lose that many games. But we'll see. Short season, you never never know. Let's take a look at the... Uh, I left the... Uh, my last uh, last one is a is a negative one. Okay, and you you dealt with it in storylines. I dealt with it in over under, uh, over or under ten positive cases. Ooh. Ouch! Just po- symptomatic or just positive cases? Because it's going to be uh, over positive case. I'll say that if it's just people testing positive for this, you, you can say that they're going to live in a bubble, that they're going to try to stay away from people. Unfortunately. I will say that that number ends up being closer to 25 to 30, unfortunately, in my opinion. I was wondering if I was, I was trying to face what's the number that would work. I didn't look at, at Vegas. I'm sure they have, they have numbers for everything. That's probably true. Uh, But the, what is a good over under number? If you set uh, it at 25, 20 to 25, I think is about it. I I think we'll go well over 10, unfortunately. And uh, at, at 25, you're talking just under one per team. That's yep. not a lot. Nope. So at 25, I'd I'd still probably take the over. It'd be hard for me. But unfortunately, coronavirus is spreading. You want to try to keep these people safe, but Florida's getting it really fast. Wisconsin, where we live, has the quickest percentage spread of any state because we don't have as much of a population as some other states, but it's spreading really quick here in Milwaukee County. So... I know where they're going to take necessary restrictions, but you still have to travel. And yes, it's private, but you're still going through an airport. And all it takes is a couple of droplets and you can get it. So I'll I'll take the over at 10. I'd even take the over at 20, but I would take the under if we were setting at that at 30. And I hope and pray that nobody gets it, but you never know. Just to uh, give one last uh, uh, stat going back to the, the, the home run title for this year. Uh, at the midway point last year, so this is still with 80 games, 81 games uh, on average for, the, for these top nine. Uh, nine players hit 25 home runs uh, or had 25 or more home runs at the midway point last year. The highest was 31 by Christian Yelich. Uh, so you have uh, that potential is there. Again, the shortened season is going to skew numbers uh, massively. Uh, for any of the uh, the data mavens uh, that are that are out there, the, the stat nerds in all of this, I don't even know how they're going to try to comprehend uh, some of these numbers because you always look for trends. You always look for something. Can you extrapolate? I don't know how you're going to do that in, in such a weird year. Uh, you have the uh, Jason Stark, who's always the one who puts mm-hmm. out the, the random number things. Uh, this is his season. <laughs> this is everything for him. He will not have a shortage of random numbers to find uh, to bring up during this year. Uh, but uh, let's take my last one. Here. Yeah, let's, let's fire away. So I took the most. You mentioned him in your storylines. The most unique player in the game today, Shohei Itani, coming off Tommy John surgery. They've said they're going six-man rotation. Joe Madden is kind of an insane genius out there. Over-under pitching starts. Pitching starts. Seven and a half. For, for him, this, this would essentially involve can he stay healthy. Uh, stay because healthy? he's projected for. they trust for, him? That would be uh, 
six starts would be uh, every six days. You're looking at ten starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go over. Uh, I think the Tommy John happens to everyone. I'm not going to over overdo it for him because he's he's playing both ways. Uh, to me, it's a young pitcher bound to happen. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't think he's a major injury risk. Uh, I think he is an otherworldly talent. I think it's every uh, every fair statement to call him uh, uh, in the right context, uh, Babe 2.0, uh, because we haven't found someone who can pitch that well and hit that well together in one person. Uh, so, yeah, I'm at over on him. I think the only way that he hits I, – I also would take the over. I think if the only way he hits an under is he's hitting so well, and it's a possibility that he hits so well, they just essentially – at some point, we just talked about Joe Madden's got his unique eccentricities again – that they say, don't pitch this week. You're just going to keep batting for us, and that's the way that I think. I think health wise, he will be fine, and he can do that. But it'll be interesting. That leads perfectly into our individual award prediction time. Uh, looking at uh, most valuable player at the end of the year, MVP prediction, AL. I'm between two players, and I've been, been thinking about it throughout the podcast. Otani is one of them because of his ability to do both. Hot take. Uh, and so that is one candidate. The other one is Josh Donaldson. Those are my nice. two picks, and one. I have to come up with one. Uh, and I'll give I, you another minute here. I'll take mine. Go ahead. Okay, so I, I didn't answer your question earlier about Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon is my pick. Anthony Rendon getting plugged right in the middle of that Angels lineup, right behind Mike Trout, should rack up the counting stats. I think he's going to do really well on the West Coast. I think that laid-back lifestyle is going to be really easy on him. He's going to live up to that contract right away. I could see... 330 average fairly easily for him. 340, he could be up near that 350 count. He's not going to hit 25 was the number you said, 20. I don't think he's going to hit that many, but he could hit 15 home runs, drive in 50 batters pretty easily. And that's my pick to be the MVP. You made my selection uh, easier uh, because what's going to hurt Otani is that you have three MVP uh, candidates on that team. That's going to split votes. Josh Donaldson was the centerpiece acquisition for the Midwest uh, Minnesota Twins uh, on an already stacked lineup. Uh, if he is able to stay healthy, which is the only question that's there, uh, he can be uh, that f- especially feared veteran bat in the middle of a lineup on a team that I think is going to have the most wins in baseball this year. All those things help you when it comes to the numbers at the end. I'm going Donaldson. That's a good pick. I've made my twins love no one too before. So I'm going to go to the NL. And we mentioned him in my storyline. I think he's going to spend more than one year in Los Angeles. Mookie Betts is going to be my pick to win the MVP. He won one a couple of years ago with Los An- or with Boston. I think he's going to get one in his first year with Los Angeles. And then he's going to spend more time in Los Angeles. On top of that lineup, I think he's going to bat leadoff. And he's going to rack up runs in bunches he could very easily get 65 runs scored in a 60-game season. He's going to hit home runs. He's going to drive in some batters that RBIs might be a little down because I think they're going to bat him leadoff, but he's going to steal more bases. 330-plus is definitely within the realm of possibilities. He's done that in a full season. He hit 348 in 2018 in his MVP season. So uh, Mookie Betts is my pick. The one way that he loses out I think could be Cody Bellinger is the defending MVP. Do they split the vote? Because Cody Bellinger is an incredible talent in his own right. 
uh, I'm, I'm going to take bets as well. That's who I had uh, written down here. Uh, and I uh, agree for all the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, he is the leading off and the best offense in, uh, in baseball. Uh, and I'm, I'm confident in his, in his all-around ability. Uh, it allows Bellinger to not have to be at that level. But, yeah, that's the only question is if he, if he keeps up his uh, numbers uh, prorated of what they were last year, uh, that very easily could uh, uh, split the vote. But I, I'm, I'm going with bets for MVP as well. Who do you have for uh, Cy Young in the American League? I'm going to mention this guy twice here in a short amount of time. I drafted him in one of those fantasy drafts I did. It is Mike Clevenger of the Indians. I think that Mike Clevenger is overlooked for just how talented he really is. He had only pitched 126 innings last year before the arm injuries got him. He was pitching to a 271 ERA at that point, and he was 13-4. and four. Well, he wasn't lucky because his FIP was actually lower at 249. The year before, he was 13-8 and eight with a 302 ERA. 12-6 and six with a 311 ERA. He's 29 years old. He's not going to get above a 320 ERA tops. I think it, in a shortened season, it could be 220 fairly easily. The Indians are going to be a pretty good team. Mike Clevenger is my pick to win the AL MVP or AL Cy Young. First one of his career. Uh, I'm going with, uh, in a pandemic-shortened season, uh, when it's going to be hard to get guys' innings right out of the gate, there's only there's very few that will be able to do that uh, from the start to finish. Justin Verlander, uh, with that innings uh, ability right out of the gate, uh, to be a workhorse in this challenge season with the numbers to go with it, uh, that's who I'm, I'm going back with as uh, Cy Young in the American League. My National League pick is a player I think most people thought by now in his career he'd have a Cy Young award. He has not gotten it yet. He's only pitched over 200 innings twice. That's always been the knock on him is the injuries, and that's Steven Strasburg. 60 innings, though. Inning for inning, Steven Strasburg is as good of a pitcher as any pitcher in baseball. Uh, his career ERA is 317. He has not gotten above a 360 ERA in any season. Oh, sorry, he had a 374 once. So he had a 374 ERA. That is his highest ERA in any season. In 60 innings or 60 games, if he stays for 12 starts, his 12 starts are going to be on par with any other pitcher in baseball. It's always just been a matter of health. I think he'll stay healthy. I think he'll be extremely good for an extremely good team. And I think he'll get his first Cy Young Award. I'm going also with someone who's looking at their first, and they've made the the positive progressions uh, throughout their first uh, two full seasons in the majors. They've pitched three overall, went up from 89 innings to 169 to 190. Uh, K per nine is up to over 10. Uh, the walks are the only question, but he was 15-8 and eight last year, uh, 3.4 ERA. His XFIP was 3.48, so he's right in line of four uh Four wins above replacement season. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds are my breakout team. We mentioned that in a previous podcast. And Luis Castillo, uh, with his dominant changeup, I think is ready to take that next step. He's been a, a fan, uh, a expert pick uh, from many uh, as being a, a Cy Young candidate this year. Uh, and that's who I'm going with here. I think he is ready to make that next progression, uh, especially helping him is... If your team isn't doing that well, that can knock you. Uh, but if you are the surprise team, you're coming up, you're winning well, uh, that makes you look that much better. I think everything comes together for him this year. 
at another ex-Marlin. Oh, just brutal. I feel so bad for that <laughs> to be a fan of the Marlins. Uh, so we're on comeback player of the year, and I just mentioned Mike Clevenger was hurt last year. If I'm picking it to be the Cy Young, he would be my comeback player of the year pick. I think he's going to be incredibly good. I think that in 12 starts, he can win nine games for that team. Comeback player of the year, Cy Young, I'm putting him for both. I mentioned before, and I have a list of about eight players here, and I was trying to decide which one am I going to go with. Uh, Corey Kluber is definitely a a, a one. uh, one that I like. But I'm actually going to go because as I made my first storyline, because I mentioned it, I think relievers are going to play a bigger role this season. Uh, and after a train wreck of a year, I like Edwin Diaz to be lights out. I had him as a short candidate for my list too, but yeah, I agree. I think Edwin Diaz gets, figures it out. And I think that is going to be a... Uh, uh, a especially playing in, in New York after as bad as it was for things to be really well, uh, I could see him leading the uh, leading the the league in saves. I think he is there. He's done it before, uh, and, and I I see that coming back. And if he comes back and is as dominant as he's been in the past, uh, the the New York media will definitely help that one as well. So we made rookie of the year predictions on a earlier podcast, but the the. The model of coronavirus. The model of coronavirus is you can always change your mind. You get two weeks, right? So I don't even remember who I actually picked in the American League. I think Nate Pearson probably was up there if I didn't pick him. I'm going to go with Luis Robert. I've seen the highlights already, and he just absolutely destroyed a ball the other day for the White Sox against the White Sox. They've signed him before the season started. He's going to play from day one. He would have played from day one, even if it wasn't a concern with coronavirus. That's a very deep lineup as well. They put a lot of money into that lineup. He's going to slot in left field from day one and be a contributor. Now, I'd love to mention Jared Kellenick here. Jared Kellenick is in quotation marks on my thing. If Jared Kellenick starts the year with Seattle, he can be the best player on the Seattle Mariners from day one. He is that talented. I just don't think they're going to bring him up early enough. If he does, that would be my pick. I just wanted to mention that. I had uh, Jesus Lazardo uh, in the previous podcast. This is what we're talking about with coronavirus. Uh, so uh, I also had uh, uh, Nate Pearson uh, mentioned here. And, I, and I'll keep that. I, you almost swayed me to Luis Robert. I expect him to have a good year. Uh, but what I like is Pearson is going to be third or fourth in that rotation. Uh, you have Hyunjin Rue, who's going to be the, the anchor at the top. Uh, there's someone else that I'm forgetting right now at their number two spot. Uh, Matt Shoemaker. Uh, but I think he's, you know, now the challenge for him is uh, the the beast lineups in the AL East. But at the same time, if he does well versus them, he's going to get uh, a lot of recognition. So uh, I'm going with Nate Pearson, a rookie pitcher from the, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he has the fastball to get by the big bats. Uh, he has other pitches, too. I like him as Rookie of the Year. Pearson's a good pick. I'm going to go with a pitcher for my NL Rookie of the Year. I don't, once again, I'm not sure he's going to be there from day one, which in a 60-game season hurts his odds just a little bit. But I think they're going to put him in the bullpen, and that's a team that I have a lot of hopes for, and that's Mackenzie Gore of the Padres. Mackenzie Gore, the left-hander from the Padres, almost universally considered one of the best two or three pitching prospects in baseball. I hope that they give him 10-plus starts. I don't think he's going to get that many. But as Dan mentioned, 
relief pitchers can be really valuable in a shortened season. And even if he's pitching long relief, if they're getting him out there every four days to pitch two, three innings, he's going to give him some really, really solid innings during those times. So I'm putting Mackenzie Gore as my NL pick. I'm going to go with uh, an, an easy one from a position player standpoint. Gavin Lux is who I had before. Uh, and I'm, I'm that one I can stick with. I had him in the previous podcast. I feel comfortable staying there, uh, especially when you have such a deep lineup. Nothing is, is uh, uh, you don't have high expectations uh, on you, and you're going to get opportunities to hit when pitchers are hoping uh, when pitchers are hoping that they can just sneak one by, and they're worried about other guys in the lineup. Uh, you have an opportunity to clean up, and I think he will do that very well. As he's already started in his stint last year. Uh, I think he's uh, ready to keep that trend going. We're on to division predictions, and we've already made division predictions, so I don't think we have to take a whole lot of time on this. I only switched one. Did you switch any of yours? Uh, there's definitely some some differences in the wild card. That there's was wild was cards I got. So let's just mention the division winners. AL East, I now have the New York Yankees before I had the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay's already been hit hard by covid and yes, the Yankees have had their cases too, but it's not been as bad for them. So I'm going to put the Yankees as the AL East, AL Central, Minnesota, and AL West. I'm sticking to them. I, the Angels are my pick out there. For me, I I believe the enough guys have gotten back healthy. I still like the Rays overall. I like their depth if something comes up with, with COVID during the year. I'm also hoping that they already got their big stuff out of the way early where other teams could get hit during the year and have less time to uh, to pivot from it. I think the Rays are set up uh, for this, so I'm still staying there. Minnesota Twins, I've mentioned, I believe, will have baseball's best record. Uh, I still like the Oakland A's. I wanted to put someone else there, but as a, a Rays fan who's used to his team being overlooked, I think it's very easy for the A's to be overlooked for someone else. Uh, this was a team that was very good last year. I fully expect them to be as good this year. Uh, and then we're looking at, uh, do you want to go National League divisions or wild card first? Let's do the National League divisions quick. So my NL East pick is Washington. I don't think that changed. They won the World Series last year. They're still exceptionally good. NL Central, we went both pick Cincinnati before because we kind of hot-taked each other. We did not expect that. But Cincinnati, all the acquisitions, all the improvements, and the best top of the rotation in that division. And then the NL West is the Dodgers are the class of that division. They have been for a decade plus. So those are my picks in the division winners in the NL. And, and we're unanimous here. Washington and Dodgers are the most obvious picks in those divisions. The Reds, uh, we're both seeing the same thing, that this is a team with a collection of young talent plus uh, uh, trades. And I think Trevor Bauer is being underrated overall because he had a so-so uh, trading deadline acquisition. I think he's going to be very good for them uh, this year. I mentioned Luis Castillo is my Cy Young pick. There's a lot of good uh, talent that's there, and I see that uh, moving them forward. So I'll do my first wild card in the AL, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays. They were my original pick to win the AL East. I think that they got hit a little early by coronavirus, like Dan said. Maybe they get all start off to a slow start, and even one slow start can be hard to make up from. So I think they're a very talented team. I think they could do damage in, if they do reach the playoffs, but I'm only going to put them as a wild card now, not the division winner. I'll stay in the AL East then and do the Yankees there. Uh, I fully expect them to be in the playoffs, whether a division winner or wild card. I think you're looking at those as the top two teams in the AL East and both make it to the playoffs. So my second AL team might be a little bit of a hot take that I didn't plan to have. I'm going to put the Cleveland Indians as my second team. The AL Central has some weak sisters in it in Detroit and Kansas City, and I think that Cleveland can mop up on them. Now, Minnesota is extremely good. 
Uh, but I think that Cleveland with Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger, I've talked about my love for Mike Clevenger. They have some good pitching. They have some fine hitting. When Jose Ramirez There's is that, hot, he's really good. There's that uh, uh, that that shortstop. I hear that's pretty good. They have a pretty decent. Play. They have some pretty decent offensive players throughout that team. So, yeah, I'm gonna say that the other division, the other wild card, comes out of the AL Central, which I don't think many people would think. But. Well, and that's going to lead. I'll I'll give my pick, and then that's going to lead to a little bit of a discussion, at least because if anyone was paying attention to who Corey has picked, there's one glaring team that is not in there, and that is the Houston Astros. Uh, I have them as my second wild card pick. Uh, I just think the team is too talented not to make it. Uh, but it was I wanted to put the Angels there. Uh, because I, I believe in the middle of that lineup. I believe in the uh, Otani as, as a pitcher. I could easily see it happening, but I couldn't take Houston off my playoff list. Uh, I could easily see them being a team that was uh, too talented, but a, a funk happens and just in a weird year, it doesn't happen. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's as huge of a hot take as uh, someone might think of it if they took the time just to process everything out. Uh, but why are you leaving Houston out? Sort of like what you mentioned. I, the AL Central's got weak teams. The AL West has maybe the Mariners as a weak team, but it's not as bad as the Royals or the Tigers. That's going to be a fight to the finish. The Angels are really good. Houston is very talented. Oakland is your pick for a reason. And we didn't even really talk that much about Texas, but I don't think either one of us would be shocked if they won over went over 500. We mentioned in our, our West uh, preview podcast that uh, they have the most underrated uh, starting rotation in baseball. Uh, Corey Kluber is is a pick for uh, a, a comeback player of the year. Uh, you have uh, uh, who's that? Kyle, uh, Kyle Gibson was the yeah, second Gibson, one that they uh, did. Who has uh, his his underlying stats were better than his overall numbers indicated. So he's another uh, good pitcher. Mike Miner, Lance Lynn. Uh, these are guys that are not flashy, but they do very well. Uh, and I think that. When you have that much starting pitching depth, that's going to keep you in games, and that's going to be more of a, uh, yeah, that's another reason to very much like the Rangers. I, I just think that that all adds together and makes it Houston's path. Houston is because an exceptionally good team. They have a new manager. They still have to deal with the fact that nobody's pulling for Houston at this point. Unless you're a Houston Astros fan, born and bred, nobody is pulling for you to be good anymore. It's hard to be despised more than the Yankees. And, and they, they found are a way to do it. They are currently more despised than the Yankees. And it's going to all add up. And now if you t- came out and told me in two months that Houston went 38 and 22, that is absolutely believable. They are that good of a talented of a team. They have two Hall of Famers at the top of their rotation. So it's possible they'll be very good. I don't think they're going to be, though. My prediction is they're going to be about 32 and 28. Which wouldn't be good enough, in my opinion. You know, I, I think I agree with you that they have the widest range uh, of any team in the American League of where you could see their wins and, and losses ending up. I think they are, across the board, hard to predict. Because, uh, again, let's not, t- let's not uh, forget that without Garrett Cole, this team is, is good, not great. He's the reason why they won last year, leading at least to get into the World Series. Uh, it was the Garrett Cole show. Now, everyone else is still very good. I don't want to disparage anyone else on that, on that team. But you can't just take Garrett Cole off a team and expect things to be as good as it was. Uh, and that's what happened. They didn't replace him. 
Uh, he was not replaced. Can't replace him. Correct. <laughs> and, replace him. and they didn't even try. Yeah. Uh, so there's no underrated move. You know, I would have commended them if they traded for Corey Kluber or the uh, they signed Kyle Gibson uh, to more of an, an underrated deal. They didn't do that, and I think that's going to be a challenge where they have two very good pitchers, but then a lot of question marks. Let's move to the NL here. You gave your two right. Yes, you did. So the NL wild card. I'll take the first one, and it's the team that I've espoused my my love for in the future more so than my current love. But I'm going to take the Padres this year in a shortened year. I think that San Diego has enough talent between Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, some of their young hitters, and with some of their young pitchers. I just talked about my pick of Mackenzie Gore to win Rookie of the Year. I, they have some other young pitching that has developed, that they've developed, that I think that in a shortened year, now they're going to have to deal with the fact that they play in a very good division too with the Dodgers. And I don't think they're going to definitely compete to win the division, but I think they're going to compete for that first wild card. I had the hardest time figuring out uh, the National League uh, wild card uh, because every time I'd put a team down, like I said, I'd find three more reasons why uh, why not to. Uh, and especially when it comes to the NL Central, there are some good teams. I, I, you can make a case for the Cardinals. You can make for a case for the Cubs. You can make a case for the Brewers. But I can give you three more reasons why not for any of those teams. And so that's what made it hard to pick from there. And then you go to the uh, National League East, and originally I liked the Braves. But they've been hit hard by uh, COVID and and other circumstances that it makes you question if they can put it all together right now. Uh, And then uh, Mets have question marks. Phillies have question marks. Uh, there's just too many too many things that are there. So after uh, not going there, I was uh, swayed back to the Padres yeah. as a wild card team because Ooh. I also like young talent getting a chance to shine. Uh, and, and they're going to be hungry. They're going to be wanting this. They're going to want uh, to really jump at this opportunity uh, and – without a track record of knowing how they pitch, how they hit, without a major track record on weaknesses and, and teams to exploit, scouting reports are going to be hard. Uh, and, and so I think that gives them an advantage to begin this year, and all it takes is one bump to put you in the driver's seat, and I think the Padres are ready for that. Second wild card, a few, when we very first preview, I had said that I thought the Braves would make the wild card, and, and like Dan mentioned, I don't think they're going to do it anymore. There's just a lot of question marks in Atlanta. I hope that they all turn out to be pluses for them, and Freddie Freeman's fine. But with the question marks they have, I'm going to pivot and go to a different team. Dan mentioned the the NL Central having their all question marks, but I think one of them's going to make it, and I'm going to take the Cubs, actually. I'll say that they have the most superstar players of the options between Milwaukee, who's got Christian Yelich, and the Cardinals, who have Paul Goldschmidt. The Cubs have Chris Bryant. They have Anthony Rizzo, who's battling a little bit of a back injury, but I, from everything you see, it's going to be fine. Javier Baez, we talked about Kyle Schwarber gets to be in the lineup now, and they have you Darvish on top. He's probably among the best pitchers in that division. John Lester is still good. Kyle Hendricks is still good. Then it's, That's when the question marks really begin, but superstars can do a lot to carry you in a shortened year. If Javier Baez got off hot, he could, he could be an MVP winner in a shortened year. So I'll take the Cubs as my second wild card, but it is definitely a hard prediction to make that one. I'm going Cubs as well for the reasons that you mentioned, just because uh, 
they can win a lot of six to five games. Uh, and and they have enough pitching at the top to make that a little bit easier, and they can mix and match their, their way uh, to the end. I think Craig Kimbrell gets it figured out. Uh, you know, it was a weird year for him last year. Yeah, it's going to be a weird year this year too, but it is for everyone. Uh, I think there's too much talent there. I think the new perspective, we mentioned managers when we were talking about uh, uh, storylines here. Uh, I think David Ross is the right fit at the right time. Uh, and I think that's going to uh, take place here. So we had a clean sweep of the National League. We we did. So uh, if everybody put your money on the Cardinals because it's probably going to happen. <laughs> that was my. I, I love Jack Flaherty. I, I love the <laughs> chance for uh, that. But I just don't think there's enough pitching talent to go with it. But let's go to the big one. Uh, let's talk World Series. Who are your teams? Okay, without giving my prediction, my two teams are Washington going back to repeat because wow, was that rotation good? They lost Anthony Rendon, but they still have Juan Soto. Uh, they still have Carter Keboom. They still have talent galore throughout that lineup. That's my National League pick. And my American League pick, I will not differentiate. I will stick to Minnesota. The offense is awesome. Their pitching is good enough with that offense. So those are my two teams in the World Series. I'm. Uh, you can call it a homer pick if you like, but I believe they're the right, uh, the right depth, uh, the right opportunity. Uh, I'm going Tampa Bay Rays in the American League. Uh, I think top to bottom, you're, you'll be hard-pressed to find a team that's more balanced, more uh, pitching. Uh, you think of the top, uh, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow. Uh, in a, a shortened season, they can get their innings without any issues from injuries last year. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, with Nick Anderson, is uh, you picked him up in your fantasy league <laughs> and the CBS stuff. I think he ends up with the most saves in the American League. I think he is that good he showed it in the second half of last year lots of things that I like about them I'm going Dodgers in the uh, National League Mookie Betts is going to be that final piece that gets them there Uh, and so those are my two teams who are you picking as your winner I'm going for the repeat I think in a shortened season Washington's got this Minnesota very talented Washington's pitching gives them a substantial advantage in any playoff matchup it's how they won it last year against the Astros and they still have it. They still have Max Scherzer. They still have Steven Strasburg, who I just predicted to be my Cy Young, and Patrick Corbin is definitely not a slouch. Most teams would be happy to have him as their ace, and he pitches as the three for the Nationals. Those three pitchers alone can carry you in any series, so I'm going to take Washington to repeat this. And to show you that I'm getting off the homer train, uh, so close yet so far for, uh, for the Rays, I like the Dodgers. Uh, I think, again, balanced across the board. They have tons of talent from pitching to uh, position player depth. Uh, so uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me, Washington, either. I love their their top three. And when you get into the playoffs and that's the uh, uh, the grindstone that you have to go against, they, they shut down a lot of teams. Uh, a repeat is definitely uh, uh, well within the possibility of taking place. Uh, so we'll find out who's uh, who's right, who's uh, who's not, and uh, everything in between as we finally kick off this it's year. It's all starting today. Enjoy some baseball this weekend, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, recapping it and giving you our uh, uh, our insane hot takes. Uh, is what we're going to do next week. We're going right. to give you the uh, what's the most outlandish uh, take you can take uh, from what is uh, happening in that first three games of the <laughs> of the year. Uh, what are the crazy uh, storylines you can take from that or uh, knee-jerk reactions to it? So we'll have some fun with that next week nice. along with recapping real baseball. So thanks for uh, being with us here today, and uh, let's play ball.